0: Today, I'm talking with Jay Chase. Jay is a host of the Don't Touch My Mindset podcast that he designed to uplift, inspire, and motivate his listeners while sharing tools to protect their mindset. Jay believes that our thoughts ultimately determine the trajectory of our life, and in his podcast, he shares personal and guest experiences, life principles, and so much more. I am really excited for this conversation because, Jay, you have experienced so much in your life. Ups and downs, highs and lows, and I've gotten the chance to have some conversations with you already, but I just know that there's so much more of you in your life to be shared. So thank you so much for choosing to be with me here today.
1: A absolute pleasure and an honor to be here with you. So I'm super excited to so have a conversation unfolds. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. And you, so you have your podcast and you're really active on Clubhouse You're also in sales, and I continue to learn so much more about you every time we talk. So last week, you actually mentioned that you pursued journalism, and you turned down a couple of football opportunities as well when you were younger to do that. And during that conversation, I also learned that you had an interview with Morgan Freeman. So I know we talked a little bit about that during the time, but a lot of questions popped up for me in that moment, and I didn't actually get to ask you in that moment because I wanted to wait to talk about it now I'd love if you could just walk me through chronologically from your perspective how you got to where you are now both professionally and personally
1: yeah absolutely man yeah you're, you're coming out with the big gun straight away how did I get to where I am now uh professionally and personally a lot of lessons a lot of lessons in life of course um me uh, I'm from Texas when I was seven my mom uh moved to Missouri she had a a bad car accident where she was put on life support and so my entire family actually moved here and uh, my mom's still alive and uh, and we we haven't been back to texas i'm from columbia or i live in columbia missouri now and um I, i've been here since i was seven so it's hometown i'm localized i uh, i went to high school at hickman and um, in the university of missouri at the time it was an important broadcast journalism school i played uh football for hickman for four years and uh, A coach uh, and I actually had the opportunity to go over some scholarship programs for me to go play football at the next level. And I also had the opportunity to go to the J school and I chose the J school. And I I did my first year at the J school, extremely amazing. I learned a lot of things. During that summer, I actually uh, took a job at a car dealership just to make some money. I said, I just want to make $2,000. I just need to make $2,000. I'll have a good summer. And I ended up making eight thousand dollars that summer, and I didn't know I was going to go back to school. On um, the, there's no cap on what I can make, is for uh, promotions and things like that. And, and you know I can make a good living in the car business, so I focused on that. And uh, I walked away from school, walked away from football, and I dove into the car business. And June 3rd of 2022 will be nine years since that journey started. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about me about where I've gotten professionally and uh, just how I got to Columbia University
0: little bit, yeah. I know you mentioned you kind of went from journalism to car salesman, and you kind of talked a little bit about how that changed for you. Was there, I guess, anything else that made you make that shift? Because, you know, with your podcast, and you clearly have a desire to have conversations with people and do the things that a journalist would do. Granted, obviously, that a lot of those same features translate into being a car salesman as well. Was there any other reason why, why you didn't necessarily pursue that?
1: So I went to college with this dream that I was going to host Good Morning America. And I was going to tell people stories and meet a whole bunch of people and just live life connected. And I, I, I truly believe God has blessed me with the gift of connection and communication. I realized during that summer I was selling cars that every single car deal is different. Every single person that comes through that dealership is different. And as we sit down, I wasn't a salesperson, I was a problem solver and it lit me up. I absolutely loved it. I mean when people come to me with a problem, oh um my transmission's going out or I just paid my car off and I just totally now I need a new car, they came to me for a solution. And uh, I was able to throw it in sixth gear and take advantage of meeting people, hearing people's stories from all over the, the state. Um, now I've sold cars all over the country. I've met people from, all, from Arizona who's driven here to buy a car for me. It's, just, it's, it's, it's truly an experience. That's the reason I got into journalism. It's the reason that I'm still in car sales. I don't like cars. I couldn't tell you how to change your oil, but I like people. And that is the biggest thing that uh, excites me about the car business is that I get to meet so many people, maintain and cultivate new relationships almost every day.
0: I, I love that because so often we, and I know we you've kind of talked before and we've had these conversations about past selves, present self, and future self. And so often we kind of identify as our past self as opposed to trying to align ourselves with our future self. And with that, we... And I say we, but I really am coming from a personal experience of what what we wanted to do four years ago is what we're going to want to do today. And it might be what we want to do in the future. But we're so dynamic. We're constantly learning so many things to where, you know, you get new experiences and you shift where you think you want to go. I have this one friend who thought she wanted to be a pediatric dentist. But the reason why she wanted to do that was because she loved children. And so ultimately, she realized she wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. So it's cool to hear those stories of, you know, you go through different experiences and realize how that shifts. And it sounds like through all of the conversations that you've had on Clubhouse and your podcast and everything like you have this ability to talk to people about taking control of your life. And um, what's that quote you say? I'll have you say it so I don't butcher it uh, about your environment.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, well, truth be told, I, I, I grew up in a hard life. I grew, I grew up in poverty. I grew up in a not so thriving environment. And at a, at a young age, I made a decision that I want my environment to be a product of me. I don't want to be a product of my environment. So anywhere that I walk in, anywhere that I go, anywhere that I am, I'm there to inspire, shape, and mold the atmosphere.
0: That's not always something that, uh, hardly ever something that somebody is just naturally born with. So what made you make that decision to actually take control of your life?
1: I'm extremely grateful for what I've had in my life, the things that I've learned, the things that um, I've gone through, the things that I've experienced. I say that we all have to walk on hot coals you know no matter what no matter when but in this journey in life we all have to walk on hot coals and i believe that my mom did that while she was raising us as children i saw her suffer i saw her in poverty i saw her give up her entire life my father who um didn't cherish or respect that and i didn't want that as my environment seeing that growing up i made that i made that decision probably to, uh when i was 18 you know, when I when I got into my first fist fight with my father, and um, I moved out of the house, and uh, and I made that decision. I said, I don't have to be a product of that environment. Any any place that I go, anything that I shape, anything that I mold, anything I come in contact with, I'm meeting with love, and I'm and I'm making that environment a product of me.
0: I'm sure when you make that decision, I would I would imagine it would be freeing. But then the actual process of Doing that right. Logically, it's exciting when you start, but then emotionally, I would imagine it's difficult. What what type of emotions did you go through or feel during the first phase of that process? You know, when you actually started after making that decision?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I am. Um, I, I experienced all of them. Shame, guilt, resentment, hate, anger. Um, a lot of the negative sides of emotions or whatever you want to you know, label them as. I think there's only three categories of emotions, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. And whatever you label those with um, are uniquely to you. And, and mine happened to be on the, on, the, uh, on the anger side and the fear side. And um, I experienced all those emotions and I didn't know how to tame it. So I learned throughout the way. I wouldn't say I really got a grasp on it until five years ago.
0: Would you say that you kind of made that decision and you started to try, but then there was another catalyst for change that came up after, and then you were really able to to take control of that?
1: Absolutely. And when when we talk about taking control of our lives or or any of us, I believe I mean, we all have that choice, and um, but we have to consciously make that choice. And I think humans are notoriously bad at self-evaluations. I think it takes an enormous amount of defeat for us to recognize and accept our flaws.
0: So last last thing that you mentioned before I asked the question was how you had made that decision when you were younger. You had made the decision that you wanted to start taking control of your life through that process, you know, you you felt anger, resentment, all of these emotions, but it wasn't until five years ago that you were really able to remake that decision and and start working on that and noticing a lot more progress. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit about that. You know, the second decision, how you were able to to do that, both in your first decision, but also especially your your second.
1: Yeah, I I truly believe, you know, it's written in scripture. When I was a child, I thought as a child I acted like a child. I spoke as a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things down and when i moved out of my mom's house my parents house when i got my fist fight with my dad when i was 18 i was a child still. he never taught me how to be a man he never taught me how to take on the world he didn't uh, teach me how to process and and express emotions as a man in this world so as i made that decision to be a product of my or for my environment to be a product of me versus me being a product of my environment i still have childish things to deal with so my environments that i were creating were childish and these emotions that i felt that i tried to tame and feel um i suppressed them with alcohol i fell deep into my addiction and i i had two dwi's i got into glorified drug i got caught with drugs and all, all types of things it was just a child trying to live in a man's world and it didn't work so also i had this mindset that i'm going to make an environment, the product of me everywhere I go. Well, when I was doing that under the influence and deep into my addiction, the wrong things were coming out. And so I spent about four years in addiction. Um, I looked up February 5th, 2017, and I was in jail. And I was like, holy, holy shit. You know, like, this isn't where I want my life to be. I'm, I'm literally following in my dad's footsteps. And that's, and that's why I, I, That's why I left home. That's why I didn't, you know, didn't want to do all of that. That's when I had to make that second decision. I really had to turn inward and turn into a man. I had to put childish things down and start viewing my life as mine and reclaiming my power.
0: And it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the second time you were really able to grasp that awareness. Because I know awareness is something that you talk about a lot. And awareness being the primary factor, the underlying thing that you can really have to utilize the tools. And, you know, the first time you had that, but kind of going through that, I'm curious to know when and how you gained that awareness, how that was different five years ago from when you first started. Because there's a, there's so many people who go through a, a process of feeling like they're in rock bottom. They feel like they, they're stuck. And this is a great example because you had that experience that first time and you had that experience being super successful with it the second time so i'm curious when and how did you gain that awareness that ultimately allowed you to start striving for more and change your mindset
1: uh when i spent when i spent that time by myself in prison when i went inwards when i started looking at myself the first time i never looked at myself i blamed everybody i was a victim i never operated in my personal power operated out of my past pain I, i would say that the world owed me something for existing you know um i was this was happened to me this was done to me this this happened to me this happened to me uh, I, I suffered abuse and, and abandonment and all of these things and i put the blame on it versus looking at it like this happened for me to make me stronger and once i realized that i could have made a switch and that could have happened when i was 18 20 22 23 24 25 but it didn't happen until i was twenty four in prison, um, I turned 24 in prison. That's another thing, you know, that's another moment where you really got to look at your life and like, I just spent my birthday in prison, not around a single one of my loved ones. I got to take control of my life. This isn't where I'm going. This is not where I'm going to end up. I'm not this person. I don't want to be this person. And the actions that I have taken to get here were the result of my past pain that I didn't process. So I processed my shit the second time around. I processed it. I looked at it and I took a victor stance to it.
0: And I know you talk about that a little bit in your podcast as well. When you made that decision, were there any, because you said it was kind of the internal spending your time with yourself. Was there any external thought or person that affected you making that decision? Or was it really being, being there, being by yourself and kind of reflecting on your past?
1: My mama. I, I, I owe my mama the world. Like, she, she, she didn't give up on me at all. Yeah, I remember there was a time it was uh, when Floyd Mayweather fought Manny Pacquiao. I don't know if you remember that fight, but my mom with me with <laughs> my mom went with me to the bar and I was deep into my addiction. And um, I a bottle service for having this big celebration because my mom's at the bar for me, right? And and I start embarrassing her. I, I get drunk, I get belligerent, and I start embarrassing her. And we leave. We actually get kicked out of the bar because of me. And uh, as we're leaving, I I black out, I wake up and and we're in the car and I'm like, why are we in the car? I want to go back to the bar and we're going probably 45 miles per hour. My mom's like crying, like you embarrass me. I'm me, her baby, I'm her only son, her baby boy. And and, uh, it didn't register with me at the time because all I could think about was I wanted to go back to the bar. So I literally jumped out of that car at 45 miles per hour so I could start walking back to the bar. I could have died. Uh, my, I had a real rash all over my face. I'm, I'm blessed that I that I even have like a face to look at today, and um, and my mom didn't give up on me. So she she was the driving factor of that when I was in prison, when I was healing my addiction, when I was looking at myself to become a better man. So yeah.
0: Wow, and I'll ask you this question, and I have a feeling I I kind of know the answer, but if it weren't for your mom, you know, if she hadn't supported you the way that she had. Where do you think that you would be now? Do you think that you would be able to to kind of have still come out that and had that internal reflection?
1: Absolutely not. If if I didn't have that pain fueling that fire to be better, I would have stayed in the pain. It was comfortable. It was comfortable. I didn't have a reason to get uncomfortable. I was living life. It, you know, I could have took this as another slap on the wrist, whatever and uh but i felt that pain i felt my mom's pain i felt i felt her tears i felt her wanting her son to be a man their her husband at the time then she got a divorce too and um, my little sister didn't didn't have a positive male role model in her life my older sisters weren't married aren't married you know there's no positive men in my family life. So if it wasn't for my mom, there's no way that I would be the man that I am today. If it wasn't for the things that I went through, there's no way that I would be the man that I am today or the man that I'm becoming.
0: Yeah. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that with me, too. So, so thank you. You mentioned before in one of your podcasts about some of the things that you've learned from your five years of sobriety. And one of those things was how every day is its own battle and i think that's something a lot of times people forget is that especially when we see someone like you or anybody being successful after whatever they've gone through we don't see the everyday battle that they're going through and and i think it's easy to make it look easy because you don't sh- always share all of the struggles that you go through but you know what do you do on those days where the battle is difficult because I know it's not always easy for you, for me, for everybody.
1: I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. That's it. Uh There's, there's nothing else I can do. I, I truly believe that life is 100% mindset and anything external God's going to take care of. Um only thing God, God got to do is wake me up all right? and then I have the choice to make the day of whatever. I- whether I want to push towards my goals, or if I want to operate from some things that happened to me from the past, if I want to change my habits for the better, make decisions that's going to push me to where I want to go, or if I'm going to kind of stay where I'm at, or even go backwards sometimes, Um, those days aren't easy. Um, I pray, I pray and know that every decision I make is either taking me forward, keeping me stagnant, or taking me backwards. And if, you're, and if you're anything like me which i think you are uh, i prefer growth mindset i prefer to grow i crave to grow learn be more be the great be the great man that i am meant to be you know and um and so i pray when it's when it's harder than normal i pray i, I you know i could say i meditate I, I, I do breath work i can say i can do all the hacks but when it comes down to it on my heart When it comes to my sobriety, the demons that I face every day, I got to give that to God.
0: Yeah. And and I think you've mentioned before, too, that you really, that time that you were in prison, you were able to rediscover your relationship with God. How was that decision then, too? Like, how did that kind of happen?
1: Oh, you want to get to know me, (laughs) don't you? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um. I'm an open book, I love it, come on now. <laughs> this is what I do, speaker speak, come on. Um, yeah, my cellmate got transferred. And, um, and so it was just me in a cell one night. And, and it, it was pretty empty, it's not like I had, I had just gotten there so I didn't have like a lot of like personal items and things like that. But I did have a Bible. And I was sitting on the bottom bunk. And um, the Bible was sitting on like this like desk shelf thing. I looked over at it and I grab it and put it on my lap and I just start crying out of nowhere and I lay down and I'm clenching the Bible and I'm crying crying hysterically I, I think somebody told me shut up I, I'm telling you I sound like a little girl and I, <laughs> uh, I was crying and I opened up the Bible and I just started reading and I truly believe when she take one step towards God, He takes ten steps towards you. And it's exactly what I needed. That's the only support uh, and love that I that I could have in that moment. And it was everything I needed to get back connected to the Source. Because so I was the furthest away from God when I was deep in my addiction. And when I think about it now, being uh, I'm a Christian and being being a Christian man, thinking about not repenting, being deep in my sins, being deep in my addiction. When I jumped out of that car, I could have died completely not knowing who God is. And that's the scariest thing about this entire process, this entire journey, is that God gave me a second chance. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. Because I think a lot of people, you know, go through different experiences, but can definitely use your story as as inspiration, exactly what you are doing through your podcast. And I'm sure without rediscovering your relationship with God, you wouldn't have started your podcast. That's the root of everything. When did you get the idea to start the Don't Touch My Mindset podcast?
1: At Bible Study.
0: <laughs> really? So I was pretty spot on with my with my assumption.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, I hosted a Bible study for a little bit over a year um in my home during COVID. And one of my friends, one of my good friends I've known for a while since I moved to Columbia, he said, Jay, you lead Bible study. You have an amazing testimony that I think the world needs to hear. Anytime that we're picking apart the Bible, you give amazing perspective and different ways to look at it. He said, You need a podcast. I was like, I need a podcast. I, my biggest secu- insecurity at the time was my voice still is, you know, sometimes still getting older. And I was like, No, no. And he was like, Yeah, yeah. And I was like, You know what? If you show me how, I'll do it. He said, if I show you how, you got to do it in 30 days. And so two days later, he came with a handwritten, in-pencil uh, business plan on how to create and maintain a successful podcast. <laughs> and uh, October 6th, I launched four episodes. I was Bible "God God's that, all up in it.
0: <laughs> wow. That is so cool. And I think a lot of the stories that you've had, they had the underlying theme of some form of support that has allowed you to do that. And even just that little push, ultimately, obviously, God's support. That is such a cool story. And I'm so glad that you started your podcast because if you hadn't, we probably would not know each other nearly as much as we do now And I think I met you only like a month ago, but the amount of inspiration that you've even just shared with me and the conversations that we've had, we probably wouldn't be leading the Don't Touch My Mindset Club on every Wednesday together. Um, Those discussions are so great. And I also probably wouldn't have read this book, The Four Agreements, um, which is your favorite book.
1: Yes, my favorite, absolute favorite.
0: Yeah. And you sent this to me literally the exact same day that you found out that I hadn't read it because I was talking about how I've heard so much about this book. I, I haven't read it, but it seems like a really great thing to do. And immediately you went on Amazon, shipped it right to my house, and I got it the exact same day, which is just a clear testament to both how important this book is to you and how much you love other people. Right. Like how much you're willing to share that. And so I immediately started reading it. I, like I said, I actually finished it today. And wow, I, I love it. I think it's one of those books where, I guess most books, you can always go on and you can look at Spark Notes, you can look at whatever, find a summary. And you can kind of get a good sense of what it's about, assuming it's nonfiction or I guess some fiction books as well. And this book, for the people who are listening too, I'll kind of give a base understanding of what it is and if I leave anything out definitely feel free to add but he he breaks down four agreements that we need to make with ourselves with the underlying theme of breaking through our self-limiting beliefs of judgment fear all of the above and the four agreements that he shares are be impeccable with your word don't take anything personally don't make assumptions and always do your best I'm not going to lie, Jay, right away when I heard those as like the four agreements, I was like, okay, these are these are good tips, like good advice. But I didn't really understand it to the extent that I was able to after reading it. Because the way that he talks about it in the book, it's just a whole nother understanding that you get because of the way he actually discusses it. So I'm so like, thank you so much for sending that to me. And I'm curious to know more about what in this book stood out to you the most?
1: <laughs> it's a very hard question. Because I, I, I I strive my life by that book. You know what stood out to me the most was breaking up with the agreements that were placed in our heads that were not ours. I suffer from that. I suffer from King's disease of of knowing who I am, but second guessing my nature and second guessing the things and my purpose and the things that I've, I've been put here to do you know um and that book really helped me realize how much power i actually do have inside me how how connected to source i am how how god flows through me you know um breaking up with those agreements were were the most liberating thing for my life um yeah you're welcome i love that book i think everybody should read that book absolutely
0: definitely this is a book where you really don't want to just go and go in with the summary look at that like definitely read the whole thing especially with the way that he he puts it i think that is such such a great part of the book i completely agree and if you were talking to somebody maybe who had kind of gone through an experience similar to you or just someone who feels stuck or you know feels like they relatively hit rock bottom but they have gone through that stage of becoming aware which of these agreements in the book would you recommend them to focus on first before they focus on the rest
1: that that one's hard too um (laughs) because i feel like they all they all tie together right um i would definitely tell them to focus on being impeccable with your word the first agreement the very first agreement in the beginning the word was with god and god was the word um our our word is creation our word is life our word is life or death you know whatever we speak into existence will come true god will do everything in his power to prosper us but we have to make the choice with the with the power of free will and we have to speak those things into existence with the manifestations of our words and our actions to follow up with that
0: it's interesting because you you hear the agreements like i said great advice but then once you realize and actually start to understand what it's saying you realize how much they do weave together, but definitely, yes. Yeah, starting with being impeccable with your word and then allowing the rest to kind of flow through that. And just to piggyback
1: off that is, you know, as you start being impeccable with your words, you start speaking this life and impeccable meaning without sin. So we're not speaking any death into ex- existence, right? We're, we're moving in impeccability, but then we also coming across somebody else, right? We're, we're, we're speaking life into them. We're inspiring them. We're, we are we're building them up and knowing that whatever they're going through, we don't have to take that personally. Therefore, we can't make assumptions about what they're going through. We can't make assumptions about the situations they've seen or the things that they've experienced. But we can do our best to come from a loving place. And I always say come from a loving place because I think all leaders should lead, lead with love but do their best as well so in any situation i think we should always do our best to leave love but it's kind of like a checklist for me when it comes down. you know you start here then you'll be able to go here then you're here then you're here it's almost like uh, an evolution of awareness for me it was
0: and you've mentioned self-love you've mentioned compassion and starting with that through the awareness everybody is on a different journey of recovering and on a different self-love path. For some people it's harder than others. How did you come to the realization and allow yourself to start loving yourself and giving yourself compassion?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question because being an addict, being a recovering addict, you know, I have, to, this is something I have to be hyper aware of, I have self-destructive behaviors, you know, so if something doesn't go my way or something goes against expectation, I, uh, I, I have a habit to self-destruct from the inside out, and that's how love starts from the inside out whatever I'm able to give myself, I can freely give it out to the world because I'm already filled up from it. So if I'm loving myself, if I'm taking care of myself, showing myself compassion, showing myself unconditional forgiveness for the things that I've done and the mistakes I will make, but I am doing that on a level that I've already accepted it, I'm aware of it, and now I can give that to others who are also ready to receive that. Um, and this and the same goes on the other side of that, when we're operating out of our past pain is, if I'm hurt, if I'm angry, if I'm resentful, envious, or jealous, if all that's on the inside of me, that's the only thing that I'm gonna project out into the world. I did that for four years and then I tried four years of self-love and I was the self-love. Problem.
0: Yeah. How did that feel at first when you were able to shift your perspective and focus on, on self-love compared to how it feels now?
1: Shifting my perspective when it comes to self-love and realizing that I didn't have any love in myself. So I couldn't accept love from anybody else. I couldn't give any love back to anybody else. That was the hardest pill to follow. Oh, the reason that I'm miserable is because of myself. Yeah, was that. But now as I practice that craft, as I master that craft, as I continue to pour myself and I get to the mastery level of self-love, of unconditional forgiveness, of unconditional self-love, I'm able to show myself grace. I'm able to show myself compassion, and know that it may be hard to pick this route, but this route is worth it. It will flourish my relationships. It will flourish my job life, my 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 professional life, my personal life, my personal growth. It's doing nothing but growing me as I continue to choose self love, self forgiveness, self compassion.
0: Yeah, you you've shared so many great, powerful stories. And, you know, I believe that true wisdom is something that can only be transmitted through experience. So regardless of how good advice or knowledge might be, if you're the one receiving that information, you're not automatically going to be able to understand it to the depth of the person who has actually experienced it, right? So we talked about the four agreements, we talked about some of your personal stories. And regardless of how much you know, the book clicks and the book can help you change your mindset, even if it feels like it clicked, those experiences and those stories are what actually allows us to to change and, and have that positive change. You mentioned some books that have helped you and you've also mentioned stories that have shaped you, but not including any books, not including any podcast advice or anything that you've learned from another person. What's the best wisdom that you've learned through your experiences that you've physically gone through
1: i love that question you know let's let's remove all external factors and look in the mirror um it's me versus me at the end of the day it doesn't matter who my partner is it doesn't matter where i'm at i still go to sleep with me and i can't run away from me so if i don't like that person it's going to be a miserable life but if i love that person we can flourish together and get through anything past, present, and future self, uh, me versus me always, no matter which version I'm battling, but it's me versus me always. And I have to get out of my own way. I'm the only person that can control my life and the things that other people do are for me. And I have to respond to that correctly. I don't think life is about chasing happiness. I don't think life is about you know doing your dream job. I think life is about processing emotions correctly and making sure that you are living in purpose.
0: Thank you so much for spending time with me, being vulnerable, sharing your story and and all the stories that you have and just being an open book, sharing what you've learned. And actually at the end of each conversation that I'm having, I like to add a specific challenge That we can do that pertains to what we learn through the conversation. And you've shared so many great stories, you've shared so many great insights. What is a challenge that you could give to people listening that can help us build momentum, improve our mindset, regardless of where we are at? Uh, You know, people who might feel stuck, people who may be at that rock bottom relatively for themselves in their own life, or wherever people are at. And so, what is a challenge, a specific habit or action that people could do this week?
1: uh starting today day one for seven days first thing you do in the morning is write down seven things you're grateful for for seven days i do that every single day and at the end of the seven days i start over at day one i don't worry about streaks i don't worry about how long i can keep this up i start over at day one and that trains discipline that allows you to look at the world in a different perspective for being grateful for the things that you have and the power of gratitude will invite some of the more blessings into your life. So seven days, seven things you're grateful for every day.
0: I just have to say that I love that you made a comment. Try not to do a streak because once we start trying to do day eight, 10, get to 500 days, if you break that streak, it's like, why would I start over? Because I've already gone to that 500 days. And that's something that I've, to be honest, I don't think I've thought about before to just starting over at day one and focusing on that week. I love that. I love that concept. And obviously the gratitude as well, the biggest part of it. So if you're listening and want to hear more insights and tools from Jay, definitely check out the Don't Touch My Mindset podcast. Jay, where are some other good places that people can find you?
1: Yeah, I'm on Instagram as V-J-J-S-T-H-E-J-A-Y-C-H-A-S-E um don't touch my mindset.com is really just just go to don't touch my mindset.com you'll find all my social links there uh my coaching services the don't touch my mindset community uh space is there yeah it is uh yeah we got hoodies we got hoodies the hoodies are there too so yeah don't touch my mindset.com you can find me there
0: awesome thank you and i'm looking forward to having more conversations with you over the phone, over Clubhouse uh, and listening to more of your podcast episodes with just yourself and with all the guests that you bring on. So thanks again so much for spending this time with me.
1: Thank you. I I cannot wait for our episode on my podcast. So tune in there too. Um, Thank you for having me. This has been a beautiful conversation. Thank you.